the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Sideline Sanity with me, Michelle Tafoya, sponsored by Legacy Precious Metals. There's never been a better time to invest in precious metals. Boy, get your questions answered about this. Go to LegacyPMInvestments.com. LegacyPMInvestments.com. I mean, precious metals can really help your long-term goals as we're sitting on this roller coaster of an economy. So we are grateful for Legacy Precious Metals. Check about LegacyPMInvestments.com. Coming up today, school choice is a big topic with me. I'm the daughter of a public school teacher. She is now 91 years old. She taught for over well over 30 years, Spanish and math in high school and junior high. And she is so sad about what she sees in public schools today, as am I. And maybe even sadder is this idea that parents don't know enough to know what their kids should or should not be taught at certain ages. That's kind of insulting. And we've seen a movement, a wave across this country of people looking for school choice, looking for other options, moving schools, going out of the public school system, and also saying, hey, why can't I take those tax dollars that are allocated for my kid and spend them the way I think is right for my child? Robert Enlow is the CEO of EdChoice, which is a very old organization that has such great modern views on school choice. And he and I have developed a friendship because we have a lot of the same values. We believe you should have the choice of where to send your school. You should not be forced to send your kid to a public school, a government school that you don't approve of simply because you live in a certain zip code. There's a lot going on in school choice. And Robert Enlow will fill us in right after this. For nearly three decades, she's reported the action from the sidelines. She started very young. She's covered the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and the college football and basketball national championships. And now, during these insane times in our world, Michelle Tafoya thinks we need a serious dose of sanity. This is Sideline Sanity with your host, one of the sanest people on planet Earth, Michelle Tafoya. Robert Enloe. Ed Choice, I have a feeling that there's a lot of movement on the school choice um, map these days. What What is the most significant thing going on in the school choice movement right now? It's going so well, it's actually hard to tell you what the most significant thing is. But one of the most, if not, <laughs> if not the most, is Arizona. I don't know if you've been following what's going on in Arizona and West Virginia, but the state of Arizona yep. said that every single family in the state of Arizona can get 
all the dollars that the state spends on their kids and they can go to whatever system works best for themselves. They can go to a private school, a charter school. They can even do a mix of all that. So they, they expanded their ESA program to every single person in this, in the state. And it's gone from 11,000 kids. ESC being now, education saving account, right? Great point. Yes. Education savings account. Let's quickly yeah, just clarifying. That. There we go. Yeah. So an education savings account is, um, if you get, let's go back this way. In public schooling, you, you buy a house and you go to the school and all the tax money goes to that school uh, for your child. If you go to a private school and you get a scholarship from the state, the state spends the money directly to the private school. An education savings account is a little different. Basically, it says to a parent, here, I'm going to give you the money and you can use it for a mixed use purpose. You can go to a private school. You can get a tutor. You can get therapies if you need, if you have special needs kids. So it's really putting superpower in the hands of parents. Um, and now every parent in, in Arizona has that ability, and it's gone from eleven thousand to forty six thousand basically overnight. Oh my gosh! And and you mentioned West Virginia. Are they on track to doing the same thing, or they have they done it already? They did it in twenty one. They were the first state to actually pass a near universal education scholarship savings account program. So. They said every child in the state who is attending a public school can now be free to go to whatever system or mixed use uh, purpose they want. And that actually has now been uh, approved by the courts. And so now you have two states that basically allow every single child to customize or every single family to customize their child's education. It's amazing what's going on. Where do you see the momentum headed? Because obviously those were two major wins for school choice. But has it generated a certain momentum in any particular direction? Yes. Yeah, so 2021, we called it the year of educational choice because of what happened in West Virginia. 2022, you have Arizona. 2023, you're going to have Indiana. We'll probably get to a universal choice program. So will Ohio. Iowa is looking at doing it. Idaho is looking at doing it. Arkansas is looking at doing it. A lot of states are saying, hey, it's useless for us not to give this power to parents. And you know better than I why parents are doing it. They're tired of the same old, same old that they've been given for years and years and years. Yeah. One of the, you and I have been in discussions for a long time that people may or may not know that, you know, I've talked to you on the phone, you and I have emailed, you've sent me some stuff to materials to look at. And one of the most important things you sent me was a pamphlet entitled, Who's Afraid of School Choice? Mm -hmm. So who is still afraid of school choice and why? That's a great question. Um, people afraid of school choice are the ones who have the most to gain from the status quo, in my opinion. So keeping the system the way it is, is in self-interest of people. So I don't know if you know this, but in America, this is the first couple of years where we have had more non-teachers in education than teachers. And so you're now to a place where the, the educators are the second largest group in education. It's the administrators and others who are the biggest. And so the people who don't want to change the system, not teachers per se, but the people in the system and the the people backing them. Look, it's super clear the unions are not big fans of educational options unless you can afford to pay for it, right? They're happy to actually let you choose to buy a house or to pay for a private school, but they're not quite so happy to give parents truly the power of education. It's it's frustrating. And I see, you know, look, what I see is anecdotal, but let's just give you an example online there was a, a teacher's union that tweeted out something like, nobody loves your kids more and understands better what to do for them 
than our union. And I thought, okay, hold on. No, that's sorry. That's not true. You don't even know my kid. And to suggest that you know what's best for my kid is really pretty uh, egotistical, elitist. Um, There are a bunch of words I could use, but I, I, I even saw a teacher retweet that tweet and say, please, you're giving us teachers a bad name. Would you Mm -hmm. stop with this? Mm -hmm. You know, I think we get, uh, there's a little bit of confusion, not confusion. We tend to conflate both the teachers unions and the teachers. In your experience, how different are their, their values and what, and their goals? So I think there's a significant difference on many levels. One, um, I think it's just ridiculous that someone says uh, that's not a parent. I know your child better. I mean, that's, that's, that reminds me back in the 1920s where the state of Oregon said, you know, you should, a parent should be the mere creature of a state, right? And that's ridiculous, right? The idea that a family doesn't know best is, is just, I think, ludicrous. Um, teachers, for the most part, are politically divided, right? So there's a lot of even mix, just like in America, between Republicans and Democrats. Typically, union uh, political support is 95% to to Democrats. I don't begrudge them. They're free to do that. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, is they're not actually mirroring what what their membership really is and what they want. Moreover, our polling that we've been doing, it's really interesting. Teachers are fed up with this system. They're so frustrated with the politicization politicization of the schools, and they want something different. They're telling us in our polling, we would love to start pods. We would love to do tutoring. We would love to be part of any education savings account program. So the union's really not even matching what the membership wants or what the membership's feeling. It's pretty remarkable. And you say this this feedback is is fairly overwhelming. How... I guess that the question is, how can these teachers who seem to be bound by the unions, who seem to be almost ensnared, how do they find their academic freedom to do the things they want? I was speaking to a group yesterday and the guy's wife, a guy was there from Delaware and he said, my wife's a teacher. She's fed up, but she's, she doesn't know what to do. She doesn't know how to extricate herself from what they're asking her to do on a daily basis in her classroom. So I'll tell you what I saw two teachers do last week in, in Las Vegas, um, more than two teachers, uh, the learning outpost. They started a micro school. They said, we're done with the system. We're just going to start ourselves a little micro school for about 15 families. It's an amazing experience. Uh, another one was called the Bloom, the Bloom Academy, right? They're trying to just do something different. These are teachers who are saying, I'm done with this system. I'm going to start a micro school. I'm going to control the education in a way that I think is effective. And they're trying all sorts of different things, right? There are these incredible schools where there are student-directed schools or they're, or they're acting academies. I don't know if you heard about this, but they take the children on a hero's journey. And there's all sorts of really cool stuff going on. So teachers are really beginning to take power into their own hands by just starting their own schools. That's what they can do. They can get involved in these education savings account programs. Every single teacher in the state of Arizona could become a license approved tutor by the state. They could actually tutor kids or run micro schools for those kids without having to be part of the system. And you're seeing a growing number of teachers beginning to do that because they're so frustrated. All right, quick break, and then back with Robert Enlow. We're talking about school choice, and he is with EdChoice, which is one of the biggest proponents, biggest foundations in support of school choice. So back with more in just a second. 
Well, the economy, the economy, the economy, it's the economy, stupid. I mean, it's it's really taking us for a ride. We're still suffering high inflation, high gas prices. So everyday things that you have to spend money on, you got to make a lot of difficult choices. The same is true for your long term, you know, look ahead, your 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 financial planning and gold and silver can be a big part of that. And it's important to learn how and why and what's best for you if if this is a good option for you. Precious metals can be purchased. They can be put in IRA, 401k. They, there are so many ways to invest in precious metals that will help your long-term planning. I mean, gold is a hedge against inflation. It protects against a weakening dollar. It does things that the stock market just can't do. So you owe it to yourself to at least take a look right? To take a look and see, is this right for me? And when it comes to gold and silver, there's only one company that I trust, and that is Legacy Precious Metals. I encourage you to give them a call while there's still time. Remember 2008? This is a lot like that. Those who invested in gold back then saw significant gains. Others lost their retirements. So I encourage you to just call them. Speak to an IRA expert at Legacy Precious Metals, 866-528-1903. 866-528-1903 or download their free investor's guide at LegacyPMInvestments.com, LegacyPMInvestments.com. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Back with Robert Enloe, Ed Choice. One of the things we saw, Robert, after the COVID lockdowns and so many of the school shutdowns was kids didn't come back to their normal schools. We saw these reductions in populations at public schools. Kids just, they didn't go back. And it's its frightening to think of why. What have you learned about why they haven't and what they're doing instead? So EdChoice, since the beginning of the pandemic, has been polling families every month. I mean, we're, we're just got ahead of the curve. It's amazing. And what we've learned is amazing. First of all, we know that from the spring of 2021 to the spring of 22, there's been a 9% reduction in the number of kids coming back into the system. That's millions of children. And if you look at it from the public and when, school- Let me stop you. Let me stop you. When you, say, when you say the system, you mean the public school system. The traditional public school system, right? So the traditional public schools that people okay. go to live, go to them by the virtue of being assigned to them. They're not coming back to where their assignment is, their assigned school. In fact, in, uh, prior to COVID, there were 47.1 million children in public schools. Now there are 40 million. So there's 7 million kids that are going elsewhere. Where are they going? There are 4% increase in charter schools, a 55% increase in private schools, a 26% increase in homeschools, a 0 to 7% increase in micro schools. They're just trying a whole bunch of stuff. 
And why are they not coming back? This is what I think is the most interesting stuff. Parents don't want the same old, same old. They keep telling us this. They, they want something different. When you ask a parent, what is it important about your child's education? They'll say, teach them, make them independent learners. Don't fix social problems. Um, help them to become socialized in small environments. Don't try to put moral values on them, right? So there's interesting, parents are beginning to say things like, um, we want kids out of class. So over half the parents in the, in the country now will say to us, we don't want our kid in school five days a week. We're okay with one day a week being at home and learning from a different environment. About 40% of families are saying, I'm okay with two days a week. And so I think what's happening is that you have this old traditional public school system that's built like the old uh, Buick that's just clunking along and it's just doing the same old thing. And you say, if you want, it was a classic Henry Ford comment, right? If, if you can have any color, you can have any color Model T as, as long as it's black, you know? And the, the reality here is <laughs> families are wanting something different. And they're telling us this and they want a different, they want a customized environment. Um, and they're just tired. They don't think that education is going the right direction. They're worried about bullying. They're worried about learning loss. And they want the schools just to teach their kids. And they're finding out that they can take power. It's really cool. I can automatically hear the pushback from certain people saying, Clearly, this ed choice, school choice stuff favors kids of privilege. Clearly, this will not help kids in the inner cities because they don't they don't have access to transportation to another place. So there is, I'm sure, going to be pushback among, uh, you know, the, the kids who were hurt the most by the lockdowns, right? Hurt the most during COVID. And uh, and those kids, you just you worry about the, like you said, the learning loss. Yeah. So many families can afford tutoring, can afford these other options to bring their kids back. What about the families that can't? How would you address them and tell them that there is another way? So I love this question. And it reminds me, before COVID, we were always hit with this concept of, well, uh, parents won't make good decisions for their children. They're not going to help poor families. And we would tell them, it's actually no one leaves a school unless they're unhappy with it for some reason, right? And a lot of families who are poor are very unhappy with the school their children are getting. So they would want to go to a private school, but not everyone would flee. Mostly the people who were happy, i.e. the people in the suburbs, would be happy to stay. What we're saying right now in COVID, which is super interesting, think about this. Before COVID, 3.3% of black families homeschooled. After COVID, 16.1%. Families of color are taking on the really? power of educating their own kids. And it's really amazing what's happening. You look at a place like Indianapolis, where I live. Indianapolis Public Schools is the second largest school district in the state. Um, fully two-thirds of the families who live inside that district do not attend their assigned school. They either go to a charter school, an innovation Two-thirds. Two-thirds, right? Go to a private school using a voucher. They go to home schools. They, they, they go to charter schools. They go to these things called innovation schools. We have created a system in Indianapolis where the poorest of the poor are choosing the best education, and they're getting themselves there with different transportation policies that we've enacted here. It's really interesting. So families are the ones utilizing this. If you look at the Vela Fund, it's a great site, and they are actually making sure that they're starting micro schools for families of color and families of poverty. 
Um, look at uh, Engage Detroit, Bernita Bradley. What she's doing, she's a, a single mother in Detroit, and she said to herself, I'm tired of having my kid potentially have no future in the Detroit schools. So she pulled her child out, started homeschooling her, and now is teaching other single black mothers how to, how to become their own homeschooling parents. So there's a lot of re-engagement of power and re-empowerment of families, particularly poor families in urban areas, because of, of the choices that are out there. I feel like the word has to continue to spread, that these options are available to people everywhere and that they just need to find out how to get them, you know, and, and how to how to access this. I my daughter had a basketball game recently at a Catholic school in in a, a neighborhood in St. Paul, Minnesota. And I went out there and I the AD and I started talking, the athletic director and I started talking and he said, we almost lost this school. He said we were shrinking so badly. Then he said. COVID hit. And because we were a Catholic school and we stayed open, all these families just gravitated to us. And we have seen, Robert, I think that the idea about school closures was one of the worst ideas. Like in, a, in the scheme of American history, we will look back on that and it'll be a blight on, on that particular, this particular era of American life for kids. It was, it was an awful decision. And I think one very much, very much motivated and, and produced by the teachers unions who were using this thing as using the pandemic as leverage, if you will. Yeah. So how confident are you that people are getting to know more about this and are finding ways? And, and if for anyone listening right now, who has a concern, has a kid or a family that they have in mind that they want you know, to give the information to, where would you direct them? Uh, well, I would always direct them to edchoice.org, right? So our website has all of the states with all of the programs on them that they could go see if they're eligible for, and all of the links to the state organizations that are working on this issue. So edchoice.org is where I would send them, first of all. Um, one thing I think is very interesting the the closures did cause significant damage, right, to kids and learning loss. It's it's just undisputable, but it also actually changed the nature of how parents are looking at education now, right? So they're beginning. Yeah. I keep yeah. talking about this this parent empowerment conversation when parents are sitting over the shoulder of their kids and watching what's being taught in sort of a Zoom environment. They're starting to go, "What are you on about here? What's this is crazy?" And they're saying, "Why are you teaching my children that?" And yeah. parents are saying, "We can do it better." And they are not just wealthy parents, but poor parents, too. One of the most interesting stats is when um, the government gave the money during the COVID, you just got a handout, right? So you get a handout of money. Um, poor families used a greater percentage of that money on education than rich families did. So they would spend about $500 oh, wow. of that every time on educating their children. So it's really interesting what's happening. I think the learning loss and the closures have changed the nature of the way parents are looking at schooling. And I think that's going to do more to change public education in a shorter time than we've been doing in the last 20 years. You're probably right. I, that was a, a bizarre silver lining of the whole thing, right? Then you walk in and your kid's on Zoom and you're, you start listening and you go, Holy moly, wait, what, what are we talking about here? Is this what's going on every day? So in, in your polling and, and this deep dive that you've been doing into what parents want, first of all, I've got my mind is going so many directions because some politicians will still say, we know what's best for the kids. The educators know what's best for the kids and the parents don't need to be part of this. 
how are we the crazy ones, Robert, or how are they so tone deaf about this? Do you think why is there still this sense that parents should be out of the picture when it comes to their kids' education? I, I'm blown away by that. I'm blown away too. It. My board always reminds me that, that to save them from the good intentions of good people, right? And so one of the challenges here, I think, is there's people in the system who do, truly do care. Look, there's I'm not maligning anyone's character here. But the fact is, right. is the, way that, the way that we've set up the traditional public school system is is so poor, right, that it's it's impossible to let parents have power. In fact, it's set up to be uh, anti-parent in so so many ways, right? And yet they say yeah. it's the bulwark yeah. of democracy, but it's the only thing that is not market driven in our entire society. And it's fifty percent. No, it's fifty percent of every state tax dollar in every state, basically. Right. So parents have no power over the saying of, of half the state's budget. I think parents are frustrated by that. And I think those folks who deny the idea of having choice are, I would say, OK with keeping a system that has been pretty poor, particularly for poor families for a long time. Here, here's an obscure fact. Mm -hmm. If you go back to the 1930s, the Roosevelt banking laws, do you remember those? Sort of they had a, they drew blue lines, they drew green lines. And they drew I wasn't blue. born back then, so I don't totally remember the Roosevelt banking laws. Forgive me. I don't either. You <laughs> Go know, ahead. I'm, Give us the quick rundown. Well, they drew lines. <laughs> they drew lines. To, they wanted everyone to have home ownership. So they drew lines around certain districts to say, if it's a green zone, give them money. If it's a blue zone, think about it. But if it's a red line zone, don't give them home loans. The public school districts in America, in urban areas, almost follow those red lines exactly. And so w the way this system was actually devised, it's devised to basically hurt families who want to move, who want to have the power of education, particularly poor families. If you can't afford to move out of a district, then you're basically out of luck unless you have a choice program. And I think families during the pandemic saw what was going on. And they said, I'm done. Yeah, there. I'm wondering what level of concern you're seeing, not only on just parents being able to influence and have the choice, but how much of of this agitation among parents is driven by the topics that they've seen? I mean, we, we see a lot of, I think, the the gender affirmation lessons that go on for kids who are very young is a little startling to a lot of people, and that has nothing to do with anyone who's choosing a different lifestyle. It has to do with their own kids and when they think their kids are ready for that information, not when you're ready to share it with them, but when their kids are ready, they're thinking about their kids. They're not thinking about you and your feelings. They're thinking about their own kids and when that's appropriate. I mean, th the age of innocence keeps shrinking. And, and, and to me, you know, I, I don't care what anyone does in their own bedroom. I really don't. But I don't understand why we feel children can benefit from this knowledge. I, 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 their brains are far from fully formed at that age. I think you're seeing a lot of pushback on that all over the country, right? The largest uh, increase in new school board elections were, was this year in my home state. People were running for school boards in greater numbers than ever before for a, lot, a large part for these reasons. Look, our view at EdChoice is pretty simple. We don't want to mandate any curriculum or ban any curriculum. We actually believe in pluralism. We believe America is about pluralism. Um, but we think we can get to a better version of that by giving parents the power over the money. So if a parent 
like yourself or like myself may say, I don't want my children to have that. They should be free to get the money and go somewhere else. They shouldn't be forced to attend a system that works like that. So that's why we believe in greater school choice is the answer because we believe in pluralism. And if some people want that, more power to them. It's much like you just said, stay out of the, what was the old libertarian thing? Stay out of the boardroom, stay out of the bedroom, right? So uh, that's yeah. fine. If, if people want that, that's up to them. They just shouldn't force that on anyone. All right. I, I think it's it's just a fascinating time that we're living in. And clearly your last statement was punctuated by that beautiful chime tone that came out of your computer just now. But anyway, it's, it's a fascinating time. Don't, I, I, I like to tease because... <laughs> If it's not that sound, it's my dog barking. So here we go. Um, it, it's it's a fascinating time for parents, for kids, for education. I, I, I think when you get right down to it, the taxes that pay for teachers and schools come out of everyone's pockets. We should have a say in what goes on inside those schools. And if we don't like it, we should be able to take that money that we are contributing or that money that is allotted for our student or students and say, I'm going to go somewhere where is more, that's more in line with my values. Thank you very much. And, and I just think that there's so much fairness to that. I, it's, it's hard to argue. So your biggest argument before I let you go, the biggest argument that you get against school choice is what? It's the same thing. It's one of two arguments, right? Either parents don't know how to make choices, which I think the pandemic is helping solve, right? The the, the parent, the, I would get this all the time, you know, parents just aren't smart enough to make good choices. And I find that truly uh, an insensitive, horrific, and potentially even classist statement. But the other one we get most of the yeah. time is, is you're going to take money away from public schools, from cash-strapped, starved public schools. The reality is it's taxpayer money. It's not the school's money. They call it a per pupil funding unit. They don't call it a per government run school district funding unit. So the, the reality here is that parents don't know and the system doesn't know. When you ask a parent, our studies are really interesting. When you ask someone, how much do you know that we spend on K-12 education? And they'll say, on average, parents and teachers, oh, I don't know, $4,000, $3,000, $4,000. That's the bulk of them. When in fact, on average, we spend over 12,000. And in school districts like where I live, it's 19,000. So when parents begin to realize how much money- Per pupil. Per pupil, per child. And then you say to yourself, so our child, I, I live in a public school district here, Indianapolis Public School. A third grader will get $15,000 to go to the public school. That same third grader will get 8,000 to go to a charter school. And that same third grader will get a $4,500 voucher to go to a private school. Why did that third grader become $9,000 less valuable, right? There are significant justice questions around this. And so the biggest argument we get is you're going to hurt public schools that are the bedrock of our democracy. And in fact, they weren't. Public schools were created in the mid-1800s, mid right? Uh, prior to that, there was a lot of schooling going on, but just not in a formal way. Um, and when they created the common school movement, by the way, they created the common school movement because they hated Catholics. Um, and they didn't want any uh, papism being taught in schools. And so it's very interesting to when you look back on how our school system was set up on the origins are really quite suspect. And people just think somehow that because you and I grew up and it was fine. Right. It worked for a lot of people back then. It yeah. just doesn't yeah. work. Right. It just doesn't work anymore. And so I think the biggest argument we get is you're going to take money away. And my argument is I'm going to give parents the money. They're going to make great decisions. 
Yep. Let's let's uh, hold the parents in a little higher esteem, shall we? I think the fact that you or you, you just called it almost classist, I think, is is spot on and insulting to yep. these parents. It's not, you know, enough. We're not stupid. We know what we're doing, too, and we know what we value. Yep. Robert Enloe, it's great to visit with you. I hope we'll do it again. I hope there will be even more seismic shifts that we can revisit about when some of these laws pass in other states, because the dominoes... I think we'll topple one after the other as we see this momentum go in that direction. And it's a pleasure to talk with you. And again, people can find out so much more. Just go to edchoice.org, edchoice.org. Thanks for joining us, Robert. Thanks for having me on the show. This has been Sideline Sanity. Be brave and do good. Happy to talk once again with Charles Thorngren, the CEO of Legacy Precious Metals. You know, I think it still is confusing to people, uh, some people, uh, as to why a precious metals investment would be a worthwhile one, particularly at this time when they're thinking, I'm doing all I can to put gas in the car. Why is now a particularly good time? And we'll go from there to how small of an investment is worthwhile for someone? You know, a great question. And I think the, the importance of why really comes into the fact that we have to save for ourselves, whether it's a little here, a little there, whether it's making it a plan and putting out so much a paycheck, whether it's making sure we fund our retirement account, we have to realize we are responsible for ourselves in the long run. <laughs> you mean that no one else is going to ride up and save us, you know, on some white steed? It ain't going to happen. <laughs> it ain't going to happen. You know, the, and anyone who's promising to do that is getting ready to take advantage of you in some form or fashion. Yeah. And so, so if, if I'm an investor, a potential investor, and I'm looking at legacy precious metals and I'm saying to myself, yeah, I, I, this sounds smart. I don't have a lot to spend. What would you tell that person? I would say, do what you can. If you never start, you never get there. So the most important step you can take is saying, I'm going to take care of myself and my family. I'm going to make it a plan. I'm going to take action. I'm going to start in the way that's comfortable for me. That's the important thing. The first step is always the hardest. But once you take that first step, the second step is easier. And then you're moving. And then once you're in motion, it's hard to stop you. So that first step, most important step. I always tell people they can call and talk to an IRA expert or, or check out the, the guide that they can download for free, the investor's guide. What, what is the number one question that you get from people who are first-time investors? The biggest question I get, is this right for me? That is the question. And that comes from everyone. So, so everyone's asking the same, is this right for me? And yet we're all so unique. And, and yet it, it is a sound investment for just about any portfolio, isn't it? It is. We, even though we're all unique, that uniqueness is going to tailor the way we begin the investment. Okay. But we're all in the same situation. That's the one thing I think we seem to forget in today's society. Whether you agree with somebody or not, we're in this together. America is in this transition that we're in right now. We're dealing with the same issues. Some people like them, some don't, but we're all in it together. Right? So the need is the same. How we prepare and how we invest is what changes from person to person, but we all have that same need. It's a great point. And again, I encourage people to 
to to just make the call, pick up the phone. That step is always the hardest. I'm not sure why that is. In any kind of effort that you make in life, whether it's weight loss or exercise or investing some way to better your life, it always seems like that first hurdle is is the challenge. Uh, but when they call, who who are they going to talk to? Who what what's going to be on the other end of the line for them? Great question. You're, you're going to speak with one of our customer representatives. And their job is not to sell you metals, right? But we have a much different approach. We're going to answer all your questions. We're going to show you what options you have. And on the rare occasion, this isn't right for you. We're going to say this probably isn't right for you. Um, we have a gold company here, but, you know, I, I say it all the time. What we actually deal in is customer service. We want each and every individual that calls to get the answers they need to be able to make the decision that's right for them. And we want to do that in a way that's not pushy, that's not salesy. And that's what makes my team so special. We care about each and every caller. And we're going to show you what options you have, and then you get to make an informed decision. So don't be afraid of the phone call. It's the best thing you can do. And this is why I am so honored and I feel privileged to be sponsored by Legacy Precious Metals. They're the ones that I'm going to deal with, and I encourage you to pick up the phone, give them a call. Even easier, go check out their their guide it's a free investor's guide at LegacyPMInvestments.com, LegacyPMInvestments.com. But as you said, Charles, pick up the phone. You're going to talk to someone who can answer your specific questions and get get the ball rolling, get, get started, do something that is a long-term play for your family's benefit. Charles, it's always great to talk to you. Thank you so much. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's always great to be here. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.